week, I really encourage you, go to our webpage, centralrr.com, and it will help give a foundation of where we're going with these foundations. But here's one of the big deals for me. As I look at our culture today, as I look at our world today, I see many who claim to be followers of Jesus, yet the first winds of dissent that come along, the first thing that comes along that makes you kind of question your worldview all of a sudden, you crater. And, and I see it, and I'm not just accusing you, I, I think even myself, I need to be reminded of what I really truly believe. And last week we talked about who is God in and, and nutshell. God reveals himself to us so that we can know him and not just know about him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we know a lot about God, but he wants us to know him. Thus, he has revealed himself. Ultimately, he revealed himself in flesh in Jesus Christ so that we could truly know him. And many of you in this room have made a personal commitment of your life to follow after Jesus. And, uh, and, and that's what we pray that people will come to. Today, we're going to talk about who is man or what is man even? And we're going to go back to Genesis 1 and you can turn there, turn on your device and go to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to be in chapter 1 and chapter 2 here in just a few moments. But, you know, man, I asked the question about what is man or who is man. And uh, we look at ourselves and you, in fact, just look at each other right quick. Cause look at the person next to you because you're going to see them during this message quite a, quite a bit. Man literally is... I, I looked it up. I looked the elements up of the human body. And, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not made up of much. In fact, you know, the, the most dominant thing in us is water. 60, 60% at least of us is water. For a child, it's a little bit more water. But it's 60% water. The rest is dirt. I mean, I, I didn't understand what the elements were, but I know it's dirt. And, uh, and, but I'm smart enough to know because I've talked to some of you, heart's been out of rhythm and they gotta shock you back in and that kind of stuff. So I, I would throw a battery in there too because there's some kind of electronic part of us that's there. But dirt, water, and a battery. That's, that's, that's about who we are. And, and I thought about that a little bit. I, 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 I went and looked up something I'd heard before, but some scientists had come to an understanding of creation and so what they did, and they were tired of the literal Genesis account, so what they did is they chose one of the scientists to go and to be the messenger to talk to God about this whole thing, and they were going to trap God in a human-making contest. So the scientists, uh, they, 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 have, they think and they have figured out all about cre- creating a human being faster and better than God can. So they send the scientists to God, and, uh, and God says this, okay, he says, you go first. The man says, okay, I will do that. So he bends over and he scoops up some dirt. At this point, all of a sudden, God stops him. He says, get your own dirt. <laughs> I think many scientists are trying to prove things, but it's hard to go back to the origin of that. I also read about a, a little boy. His name was Johnny. And, and uh, Johnny came to his parents one Sunday after church, and he said, I've got to go speak to the minister. And they said, okay. Uh, now, you know, any kid that wants to go speak to the minister, that's, that's fine. So we'll, we go to the minister. So they go to the minister, and uh, pastor says, Johnny, he says, I heard you say today that our bodies came from the dust, and when we die, our bodies go back to dust. And the pastor says, yes, you know, kind of puffed up a little bit. Man, I'm glad you were, glad you were listening. Um, why do you ask? And so Johnny says, well, 
you better come over to our house right away and look under my bed because there's someone either coming or going. <laughs> when we look at mankind, it's hard. We, we, we seem to look at outer beauty thinking this defines the man, and it does not define the man. So what I want to do is I want to back up a little bit to the origin of why God created us in the first place. You see, Genesis doesn't tell how as much as it tells who and it tells why. And so I want to look at Genesis 1. And in fact, there's going to be two major points and then I'll make sub points along the way. But if you want to write down the first one, it's going to be this. All individuals are of incredible value. All individuals are of incredible value. Genesis 1 Chapter 26 through 28, it says this, Then God said, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The hour here, because I don't want that to throw you off. Remember last week we talked about who is God. There is one God, but he has used three distinct ways of expression. One is his Father, one is his Son, and one is Holy Spirit. So what this is showing is the unity of God and his oneness. Verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So what, what the Lord shows us right from the beginning, he created mankind, he created two genders, he created female, he created male, and this is, this is uh, who he created. And he created man of incredible value. And so all of mankind is under value. And I know somebody, if you're thinking, you're thinking, yeah, but Mark, how often do you say to us that we are of not much worth without Christ? That's the truth. But the, but the, but the, the deal is this. You as man are the supreme creation of God. And because of our fallenness, there is this unworthiness. And I'll talk about that. But yet we are of incredible value, mankind is, because we are the supreme creation of God. All mankind. Okay? It says in the book of Revelation, you need to hear this. It says, Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. And get this, for Thy pleasure they are created. We were created... For God's good pleasure. You weren't created just to look good. You weren't created just to get puffed up or climb up the ladder of success. You were created for God's good pleasure. And mankind was on the heart of God from, from the beginning. It was on his heart. So I want you to hear this. There are no oops and no accidents in God's vocabulary. I've heard people say before, well, this is, this is our little accident, Nope. No, no, God knew. God knew. There, this is why the unborn are so valuable to us. Because we believe that they're, they're part, they begin with God. That's just their human element is when they come in the womb. But we believe in the unborn. We believe in, in that, that that is of great value because God had made them of great value. There are no oops and no accidents in God's, God's kingdom. Some of you, 
this is, this, I just want to say this, is that some of you have lived under that curse because somebody said you were an accident or a mistake. Please forgive them. Know that that's not how God sees you. Okay? And you need to, we need to move on. Okay? I know it's not that easy, but, but I don't want you living under that. But man is totally superior and unique when compared to the rest of the created uh, kingdom of what God created. In other words, what I'm telling you is, is that you've got man in his supremacy who God not only created as supreme, but gave him his, uh, the right and the ruling over everything else that was created. So you cannot say, okay, we've got man here, now we've got an animal over here, and on the same level. It's not even, it's not that way. That God made man as supreme, he is the supreme one that has been created, and that he is to take care of the rest of human, uh, the rest of, of the kingdom. There are two types of humanity that we see that God created. He created male, and he created female, and, and I'll talk about this more in, in days ahead and in this message, that with the fall, with the fall, total chaos came, including the gender struggles and including uh, uh, lifestyle choices, but God created them, male and female. All men are of great value, all ethnicities, both genders. In fact, it says in Revelation 7, 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It says, In the presence of God, every nation, every tribe, every language. And I want you to look at the person next to you because God may put them next door to you in the kingdom and you better, you better, uh, have it right with them before you go. But what I'm saying is, is that all ethnicities, and so we have to be careful about thinking, okay, I'm superior, I'm a superior gender, or I'm a superior race. That's, that's not in God's, that's not in God's eyes at all. That's part of that fall that came along. And so we, we see what God did. Now, Here's, here's the confusing part to many people. It says that we were created in the image of God. In the image of God, we were created. Both male and female were created in the image of God. So what does that mean? I mean, we look around this room and we're thinking, man, we look at each other and thinking, if that's God, then I don't want anything to do with him. And we're thinking, surely that he means something else. And he does mean something else. And I'm going to give me four, here's four ways that we are created in the image of God. Number one, we are created in the image of God mentally. In other words, we have the ability to reason and communicate and to distinguish and to choose. And so this is what makes man created in the image of God mentally is we can reason and communicate. And I know somebody is thinking, yeah, yeah, my dog, my dog can reason and we communicate. We have the best dog in the world. Gracie's great. This is Gracie. Blah, 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 treat, blah, 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 eat, blah, 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 walk, blah, 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 drive. She does not reason. She just does what is instinctive in her as a dog. She cannot reason. I cannot say, okay, Gracie, do you want to drive or walk? Let's talk this out. She can't do it. 
And, and don't tell me that there are certain animals that are smarter that can reason and think. They're going to do what they're trained to do. They're going to do what, what you give them a treat to do. There's carrots for them to do, and you think, okay, hey, they're reasoning. No? Okay? So they're just being obedient to what you've trained them to do. Man is able to reason and to communicate. And so we're in the image of God mentally. Second of all, we are created in the image of God morally. Even in our fall, all of humanity has a moral compass. And it tells us in Romans 2.15 about this conscience that God has put in us. The conscience is not God, but God can use the conscience. But he has put the conscience inside of us as a, a moral compass. And I know we're looking around today and we're thinking, Mark, but people are out of control. They're angry. They're, they're, yeah, I'm not saying that conscience cannot get seared. But I can tell you this, there's a moral compass in all mankind that I'm not to kill, that I'm not to steal. Now, I can go against my conscience, but that is something God has put inside of us. Now, with redemption, now, before, before the fall, man was completely poorly, morally pure. After the fall, we've seen chaos. But we were created in the image of God morally. Um, number three, we were created in the image of God socially. Just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, composed God in that incredible unity that we it's hard for us to even fathom, God created man to live in community. He created an Eve and Adam for community before Adam ever sinned. And thus he gave Eve. And we see the family unit was the basis of community initially, but we are not to isolate, but we are to be together. So God created us in his image socially. And then one more. God created us in his image eternally. We are eternal beings. We, we are more than these bodies. I've been with people who have lost limbs and are on their last breath and taken that last breath. And, and you're thinking, man, we are so much more than these dust and water that we go around in these earth suits. God created us for eternity. You were created for eternity. And I know that when Adam sinned, it said he died, but yet he walked around. And what does that mean? It means that internal, that internal spirit of him that was connected to God as they walked in the cool of the day, that relationship got fractured. And ever since then, and seven billion people on this planet, and, and everyone who does not, you, you that have been new creations in Jesus Christ have seen that restored but others have not. But they are created for eternity. And we do know according to God's word that we base our faith upon the Lord and we learn about him through his word is that there is an eternal destination separate from God for those that have never embraced Christ as their Savior. Hell. And, and, and here, let me, let me just say this while I'm on it. Many people say, how can a good God send people to hell? We are all destined to hell. It was a good God that provided redemption. And so we need, we need to look at that. So we were created uh, uh, eternally in God's presence. And, and let, me, let me back up to the Scriptures one, one moment, because this is really something. In verse, in verse 31 of chapter 1, it says, God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. Remember I told you last week that every time he created something on that day, he said it was good. Here he comes to the conclusion after man, he said it was very good. In other words, it was complete, perfect the way I created it. 
So all of man is of great value. So if I were to condense what I just said down to a statement, here it is. All of mankind was created of incredible value to the Creator. Though broken, flawed, and depraved because of sin, God is restoring mankind through Jesus Christ. So all of mankind was created of incredible value to the Creator. And though we're broken and flawed, God has set in place a redemptive act through Jesus Christ. So now let's go to chapter 2. Turn over to to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 15. Now, for you that are new to the Bible, Genesis means beginnings. Moses wrote it. And when in Genesis 1, you have this big picture out this way, Genesis 2 comes in a little bit closer, and then Genesis 3 is going to get real tight because they're talking about the fall of man. But in Genesis chapter 2, we see a second account of the creation of of, uh, man and woman. In verse 15, it says this, chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Um, Verse 15 says, he was put in the garden to work it. Now let me explain to you what that means because the language doesn't doesn't help us we are under a false assumption that work is the curse it says that the ground was hardened and and the toil of the land would become difficulty adam had a job before he ever sinned okay he was to take care of all of creation and it wasn't a drudgery task But it was literally, when it says the word place, you need to hear this in the Hebrew, it means to rest in. Literally, it was his sweet spot. It was what he was created for. And you know what I'm talking about, sweet spot. You know that sweet spot is where everything comes together, that when you do it, you just feel God's pleasure. I mean, you can be exhausted, but you go and do something, serve somebody, or go and help somebody, and you're thinking, man, that didn't even make me tired. That actually energized me, man. That, because you were working in your sweet spot. It, with, with the fall, we don't, we don't get in our sweet spots very often. But Adam was created just to be in his sweet spot. In the cool of the day, he would walk with God, and he had the perfect job, and he did the perfect thing, and he was in a perfect relationship with God at that point. That's what it means that he was placed in rest in the Garden of Eden. And he was there to take care of it. And, and God had a, had a place for him to take, um, take care of it. It wasn't drudgery. It wasn't toil. It wasn't... Oh man, I, I can't believe I gotta get up and do this. I gotta name those animals again. I can't believe it. That wasn't where he was going. It was, this is perfect. And God said it is very good. Very good. Adam felt the pleasure of God. And I know there's been times you've just felt this pleasure. You just know you're moving in what he created you for and you're thinking, why can't I live here? It's part of that redemption of God as He as He uh, works in you as a new creation. But here here's what I want you to understand: we equate worship with singing songs. That's not that's not correct. Yes, singing songs is an act of worship. But if if I were to call this point two, it's this: all mankind does is worship. Everything that Adam and Eve did was worship. When they named the animals, it was worship. When they took care of the garden, it was worship. Everything they did was worship. 
So you, you've got to understand, God created you, okay, you ready? For His pleasure, so that we would understand His worthiness, and we were to obey, and in that obey, obeying, it wasn't drudgery, that we actually find what we were created for. That's what God did with creation. Adam and Eve weren't bucking against God and saying, oh man, I can't believe, no, they were moving in rhythm with Him, because it was what they were created for. And today we find ourselves battling against God all the time because we want to worship us. And in Romans chapter 1, it says we have exchanged the worship of the Creator for the created thing. And thus we find ourselves battling against that all the time. But you were created for God's good pleasure. In fact, Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians 2.8 and 9, Paul writing, he said this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works. No one can boast. Your salvation, your forgiveness is not based on anything you've done. It's based on Christ. And then in verse 10, he says this, But you are God's workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. You were created to be his image bearer, to show him to the world. You see, our world needs to see Jesus. And, and, And sometimes we're not giving them a very good picture. We were created to be his image bearer. And so, if I were to summarize this point down to this, it would be this. God created mankind for His glory, and man's greatest joy comes as he honors God through worship and obedience. Let me read that one more time. God created mankind for His glory, and man's greatest joy comes as he honors God through worship and obedience. So what? Let me wrap this up. Just four quick statements. We'll wrap this up, and and we'll put those up there. Number one is this. Man is the supreme of all of God's creations. Man is the supreme. Does that mean we get puffed up and egotistical about that? No, it just means he set us apart as very unique as mankind. Man is the supreme of all God's creations. Number two is this. Man finds his purpose in worship and obedience to the Creator. It's not in you climbing some uh, ladder. It's not in you having uh, the best morality. I mean, it, it's not. It, it, it Literally, you were created to worship Him for the pleasure of God and to obey Him. And when you obey Him, that's when you find what you were created for. But number three came along. Man's fall brought total chaos in humanity. And so if you're new to the Scriptures or new to what I'm saying by man's fall... Adam and Eve, those first created ones, first created individuals, they disobeyed. Remember I said they were created to obey and to worship. They disobeyed. And with that disobeying came all kinds of chaos that you and I have inherited ever since. I mean, we are sinful. We're broken. We're flawed. I love you, but you're broken, sinful, and flawed. And I know somebody, some sociologist is going to say, yeah, but I believe if we just took children put them in a right environment, put them together, that they would turn out just perfect. Listen, the four most perfect kids on this planet are my grandkids. And that would not happen. It would not happen. It does not happen. And it would be sinful. And so we are all flawed and broken. And with that incredible chaos has come so much confusion about identity. We have confusion about morality we have confusion about who god is man we're so flawed 
Uh, let me read this, this brief, brief paragraph, and I hope it makes sense to you. Had Adam and Eve retained their original state of perfection, they never would have died. But Eve and then Adam yielded to the serpent's temptation, and death came into the world. And before that moment, they were in a beautiful, pristine state. They existed on a level far above the present condition of the human race. It is difficult to imagine what man was like then by viewing him as he is now. It would require something like trying to reconstruct the original version of an aircraft from its wreckage. If we knew nothing of flying, we would hardly suspect that it had once soared above the earth. The material would be the same. The capability of flight, however, would be lost. And what this writer is saying is this. We, we cannot go back and completely understand. But we can see the way God created it. And then number four, the last one is this. Jesus came to redeem and restore mankind. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone that is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I know most of you in this room personally, and I know that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you being the image bearer that he's called you to be, though? Somebody may be here today and say, man, Mark, you're talking about all of the world here that is fallen. Yeah, but all of the world have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. That is why we want to get the gospel to the nations. We want to get the gospel to the soccer fields, to the schools. We want people to know that in their brokenness there is a Redeemer. And that's who Jesus is. I'm wrapping up. Some of you may be in this room and you're thinking, Mark, if God really knew my past, when you say flawed, I'm, I'm that person in the dictionary. I have got so many mistakes, so many failures, so many things I've done. I am a throwaway. I am not worth much. If, this, if, if what you're telling me is true, though, that God redeems through Jesus Christ, then I need to accept that. And maybe someday he'll turn me into something beautiful. Let me tell you something. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you with your flaws. He loves you for the sins that you've, even though you've committed them or omitted certain things you should have done, He loves you. And He has an incredible plan through Jesus Christ. He hasn't abandoned you as an orphan. He doesn't put you in the corner and say, you're going to be in timeout until I come back and then I'll pull you out of timeout. He wants to use you now. Read a read a story that I'm going to close with. In 1955, there was a woman whose name was Elizabeth Marcella Henson. And they called her Betty. And Betty one day decided to clean out all the junk that she had. And so she starts cleaning out junk out of closets and everything. And she comes across an old green coat that she had. And she thought, this is worthless. This is worthless. And she throws it in a junk pile, and, and her son, 15 years old, comes in and says, Mom, what are, you, what are you doing with that coat? Can I have it? She said, Oh, you can have it. So he took it to his room, and he had two, tennis ball, uh, two ping pong balls in there as well. And he started cutting and working, and he developed Kermit the Frog, Jim Henson. We all know of Kermit the Frog. Still entertains children and people like me all the time. He took an old, discarded, worthless green coat, turned it into an incredible thing when Kermit the Frog. God does the same thing with us. And our flaws and our brokenness in humanity, He sent Jesus 
to turn us into his masterpieces, to be his image bearers in a world that desperately needs him. Let's pray. Father, today we bow humbly. Lord, man, as I read about Adam and Eve in your word, and I, I, I hear about how they walked with you in the cool of the day, and, and they lived in their perfect sweet spot, and they, did the, the per, they had the perfect purpose. And Lord, I look at my life sometimes, and I, I just, I'm just not there, God. But I know you're working it out in me. I know that he who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. And so, Lord, I lean into that. I trust that. Lord, I pray for the person in this room who has yet to yield their life to you. May they understand that Jesus came to redeem mankind. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, you didn't come to condemn the world. You come to save the world. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that that individual who is saying, Lord, I need you, that right now, just by a voice of prayer, they'll say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to take this flawed humanity. And God, make me a new creation in you. Work it out. Lord, I pray that that person will will find strength that comes by your power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that, that you just show them your reality. But Lord, I know there's somebody else in this room that's walking in that unworthiness, that that place of, uh, I am, there's no way God can, I'm a discarded green coat. Maybe the Lord's going to come and pick you up today and say, I've got better things for you that you cannot imagine. If you're willing to yield to Him today. Lord, over the next few minutes, as the elders and pastors and prayer teams are here, that God, I pray that it's a time of, of reconciling. I pray it's a time of renewing. I pray it's a time of uh, just energizing with you. I pray that these steps become an altar and that anyone who wants to can come and leave their junk or they can come and give you glory, whatever they need to do at this time. So, Lord, use this few moments to draw people to your heart, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.